everybody, Balls to the Wall, episode number 35 on this Tuesday afternoon of taping. I'm Kenny Matthews, one of your hosts and my co-hosts, my main man, Billy Martin Jr. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing all right. Yesterday uh, was my father's 94th birthday. Wow. So uh, happy heavenly birthday wow. to him. Uh, it was kind of interesting. Day, happy birthday. Wow. I did not know that. That's awesome, man. 90, would have been 94 today. Wow. Yes, sir. Man, that's something else. That is something else. Uh, hey, guys, we do appreciate you guys listening to us each week. If you could help us out, either hit the subscribe button, press the like button for us, make a comment. That's the main thing we need is a comment on that. If you do, you subscribe to us on Rumble, YouTube, Spotify, and Anchor. We would greatly appreciate that. That would help us and then also help us kind of help with content for you guys also going forward. Next week, I did forgot to tell Billy this off the air. We're going to have, probably have Jim Dent on next week. I talked to him on Friday, so we're going to try to get that up. I'll probably put that in a two-part series. His story is unbelievably incredible. The you know the pits and falls, you know that had guys been, but the attitude that he has now is just incredible. I don't know if I could have been near as positive as dealing with what he's done all these years as he is right now that seems to be in a great place but I think you guys would enjoy this story immensely going forward um Billy I have to say I've got a puck hangover from Sunday night that's just absolutely drilling me uh I'm a Penguin fan I'm a Stars fan and I always tell people I love game sevens unless my team is in it or unless my team forces a game seven but Billy I was hit in the nads when the Penguins lost in overtime and then I wait a half hour and I start watching the Stars game and four hours later the other nad got hit about midnight (laughs) (laughs) on Sunday I've really been in a fog thank God there was no hockey games on last night I don't know if I could have really turned to the channel to say that because my heart still was bleeding pretty good but gosh really that it's entertaining i mean if if you guys don't watch nhl playoffs man you're really missing something that's just unique and entertaining and (laughs) gut-wrenching oh and the game you're talking about i mean it was a pucked up ending, uh, absolutely, because the, I mean, the goalie for the Stars made so many great saves all series long, and the the odds of that shot going in, the angle of that shot that won it, it was, Unreal. I mean, maybe at least he can walk away from there with his head high going... <laughs> <laughs> who, who the hell else could have blocked that shot? I mean, you know, that was awesome. I know you. I know you're, you know, a Penguins fan too. But I grew up a North Stars fan. I was born in Minneapolis. That's right. That's I right. went to yeah. North Stars games with my father, and I still have a stick from the last goalie to not wear a face mask, Gump Worsley. It wow. was the, the North Stars goalie back then. And needless to say, he was never on the cover of GQ. 
magazine, but uh, <laughs> but you know, I moved to Dallas, and and the stars come here. It was so kind of cool, and you know, I do love hockey. I played a lot of indoor soccer. There's a lot of similarities. similarities. Yeah, it's sure is. It's hard for people to follow. You know, but the more you watch, the more you see what's going on. And I kind of dug it a few years back when when they were putting the artificial trailer on the puck yeah. on TV. The, the blue the, the blue streak, they used to call it. <laughs> yeah. I got to admit, I kind of like it because it made it a lot easier. But your old school hockey fans hated that. Loved it. <laughs> yeah, uh, my son and I were talking about it last night, and he he loved it too. And it's you know, I wish we had that option where we could click a button on our on our TV and and make it happen. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, well, I remember going into this series, Otter, the goalie for um the Stars. That was a big question mark that he had not had any playoff experience going in there. I don't think that they have to worry about that going forward with that guy. I think he showed himself really well, you know, in a losing cause. Um, 64 saves is a record um, in a, you know, in a game seven. You know, that's just extraordinary. I mean, it, it you know, it's funny. It, you can skate around and do all those minutes of hockey. You can just have a half second break and, you know, your season's over. And I think that with that angle of the shot that he took, I really don't think he ever thought that that puck was going in from that angle. And you you think sometimes you might just let your guard down just a smidge in that instance. And, you know, you get burned like that. But I showed well. I mean, it's – I can't tell people enough. I don't have a dog in a hunt anymore in the playoffs, but I still will watch, you know, because, you know, I feel sorry for the people in Toronto another year of losing in the first round in the playoffs. You know, one of the original six. You want to talk about a suffering fan base right now. The Maple Leafs are just, I mean, Billy, if you think about this, we were just recently born the last time the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup, you know, I mean, and that city, just, I mean, what Texas is to football is what hockey is to Toronto, you know. I mean, it's you that to go that long, man. I can't imagine what's going through their minds, but yes, folks, you guys got to watch it. And, um, you know, I, I still can't believe Billy that goalies didn't wear face masks back in the day, and then when they had the option, they said no a lot of them because they wanted to be a tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, that's well. That'd be like jumping in the ring with Mike Tyson and saying, "Hey, man, I don't want you to wear those gloves, Mike." And uh, let's bear nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think somebody on a plane felt what bare knuckles from Mike Tyson felt like a couple weeks back. <laughs> I still don't get how he talked like this. How you could be that tough? And say, Avanda, look, I didn't mean to bite his ear. Um, how can you be that tough and talk like that? I, I still never going to make sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to me at all either. It really doesn't. Not at all. I do want to do a little recap of the first round of the NBA playoffs and, and, and kind of stick and stick to the theme from this last weekend. I'll start off with the Celtics and 
and the Bucks. We're going to have a new champion, obviously, and NBA champion, uh, NBA champion this year since the Celtics knocked off the Bucks in Game Seven on Sunday. Um, I was extremely surprised at that a margin, a margin that the Celtics put on them in the second half. Um, I think that the I think the series would have been a lot different if the Middleton kid played for the Bucks. I think the freak, you know, the Greek freak had have an extra burden of, of trying to carry that team. And it just didn't have enough bullets in the holster, you know, to get over the Celtics. We mentioned last week that the Celtics had already lost two games at home already on that parka. I had a feeling they weren't going to lose three in a series at home. You know, it just doesn't normally happen. I think Red Allback made sure that didn't happen somehow. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, now, with them, I think we have the two best teams in the East playing against each other in the Celtics and the Heat. You got the number one seed and the number two seed. Um, they've been perennially the best teams here the last about decade or so, you know, in the East. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Both teams are defensively minded teams. Um, it's going to be a little bit of old school. I mean, won't be as physical, but it'll be a lot more physical than I think what we've seen so far. <laughs> Well, I, I feel just giddy over the Mavericks game. <laughs> I can't. And then, then I was about to say, did you go over to that? What happened later that night? <laughs> you know, that afternoon. I mean, I was I coming mean, back from a store, and you know, and I was hearing the post pregame about well. Mavericks hadn't played well in Phoenix at all in this series. They've been down early. What makes you think, you know, they just got their heads handed to them four days prior, a 30-point loss there. Is there any chance of just keeping it close is what the theme was on the pregame show. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, little, little Wayne called Luca up. Wow. I mean, uh, unbelievable. This, hey, I, I, I saw a stat that Luca scores nine points more than Right. Nine points more per game in those deciding games than the great Michael Jordan. I mean, he's freaking 23. That's what I said. He's 23. I mean, <laughs> it gets better from here. It gets better from here. <laughs> LeBron James said he's his favorite player in the NBA right now. I saw that. I saw that. I saw what he said that. Yep, I sure did. Saw that. On like, wow. That, that was, that was I mean, love, man. The swagger that comes with it. I know some of the TNT guys were getting on him for doing that interview before the game saying, you know, they think that that's kind of, you know, you don't do things like that. I don't think you've ever seen anybody more confident before a game than it would have been. It's really Michael Jordan-esque. You know, it yes. really was. And I mean, I, I don't want to put him there, but I'm just saying the competitive fire that he had and the confidence he had before really reminded me of what Jordan was when he would play, you know, in those final Absolutely. games. And well, it, it, there's that no doubt he wants the basketball in that big moment. There's not any 
you know, tricks to it or whatever. He's screaming, get me the ball now. And that's the way it with Michael. And it's really this kid with her. And take it a little and and would shut that down because if you remember, the nerds had to give up their neck for Now, what could be in fingers? in today's world. Right, right. Um, think about this. Think about this, Billy. Um, I was against the trade when they made it originally because I thought they gave up too much to the Hawks to get the rights to him. I mean, and it wasn't like their de facto, I mean, the de facto defile back guy would have been Trey Young, who's turned out to be a pretty decent pro too, you know, at this point in time. Absolutely. He's not Luca. I mean, he's a he's a he's a notch below that, but I I, I have to admit, I've I've ate crow on that because I was like, why? Why are we giving up these first round draft picks year after year after year? Because remember, the Mavericks went about three or four years where they didn't have a first round draft pick because of all the trades they were making. So I was like, yep. you know, you can't keep mortgaging in the future. You know, Dirk's about to retire. We need to build with these first-round draft picks. Well, you built with one of the best to ever suited up so far. <laughs> so <laughs> they got that right. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And it's it's fun to watch. And I really think he's going to continue to improve Yes. each of the next four years. I mean, you look at his body, obviously he could be more fit, better shape, um, and, and, and you're going to see that. You always see that with young athletes. Obviously, I'm more dialed into baseball, so I noticed Raphael Devers his first year be in the postseason with Boston, and he, he's got the, the, the belly poking out all around his freaking uniform, and same thing with Vladimir Guerrero, right? And then later, after the unit club, I'm only in here that's flabby. <laughs> All of a sudden, they start hitting the gym a little harder. Yeah. And you are throughout the career and it's it, it it's really neat to watch and and we're in for a treat with Luca yeah we definitely are playing against Golden State um Golden State obviously won a few championships they've got one of the best players in the league and Mr. Curry 
Um, Steve Kerr comes back from being on the COVID list. I think that will be big for Golden State. Um, you know, he had the battle that where he missed the last, I believe, two games of the of their series because he was out. Um, one more note about Phoenix. Um, Chris Paul now is the only player now to lost he's lost five playoff series where his team started off two and zero. Man, that's pretty hard to do. I mean, that means that other team's got to win four out of the next five. You know, that generally doesn't happen. But Chris Squall owns that now. Um, he is, I think that's next person to him. There's only one other person has gotten to three has been on, you know, on that. Um, Chris Paul played really well up until game seven. I don't know what happened to him game seven the other day. I mean, I guess the whole team just didn't show up at all at home. But it's just another one of those things where, you know, Chris Paul is great. Yes, he is. But he's he's not sniffing any championships. And for people to say he's a top five point guard of all time, you got to win some championships. you got yes, to. Yes, you do. Uh, you, you, Absolutely. You yeah, it's. too. Because, uh, you know, that that's his guy. Yeah. And <laughs> he's on <laughs> – I'm sure he gets those courtside pickets from, but uh, you got to win for, for you to take that to the hall of fame, to be that kind of all-time player. You've got to have rings, man. I'm sorry, especially in basketball, especially where you're one fifth mm -hmm. of what's going on out there. I mean, and the facilitator. I mean, he's got the ball in his hand majority of the time. I mean, and I don't want it to be a criticism of Chris Paul. I mean, I don't want it to come across that way. It's just that I got killed with people telling me he's the top five guy of all time in point guards. And I went back and looked. I'll give you top 10. But there's at least seven point guards are better than him right now, you know, all time. And they all have one thing he doesn't have, rings. Make rings. You know, I said, there's a difference. It's a huge difference. Sure. Well, I mean, I think it was our last, I think it was on um, 34, you said something about, about Stockton. Yeah. And, you know, comparing Stockton to Paul athletically, Paul's quicker, faster, going to score more, sure. going to be able to create more. But Stockton, Stockton found a way to get the ball to the right person at the right time and was the quintessential. You know, that's a guy that shouldn't even be in the same breath with him right. athletically. And, but he, but he is. Yep. I called Stockton the modern, I called him the modern day Bob Cousy. You know, he just yeah. got people in the right spots, did what he yeah. needed to do. You didn't hear anything from him on or off the court. Uh, but yes, Chris Paul, with all of his greatness, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, he's a phenomenal player. And I just, but like you had said, I think it, it separates. When you're trying to be the elite of the elite in the Hall of Fame, you got to bring some hardware. You can't get into those top fives without the hardware. I mean, you know, even as Wilt Chamberlain, as great as he was, he 
he did get multiple. I, I think he got when he got two rings that kind of really said, OK, he's an all time great. He got one with Philadelphia and he got one with the Lakers that helped because he had multiple championships. Uh, you know, you just, you know, Carl Malone and John Stockton, as great as they are, you're not going to say that they're the greatest, the greatest, the great, because unfortunately, they never got a ring. Well, yeah, well, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Well, we'll do that. I mean, we were talking about this last show too. I mean, the difference in center. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Are not the same thing. There's there's not that guy that's just killing everybody in the paint anymore. I mean, it's the, the two-time MVP is the only one that's doing it. And, and and for Denver, but every year for Denver, it's it's heartbreak central in the playoffs. You know, they just don't ever seem to, you know, advance. And I don't know if it's because of the product of the game or the way the game is different, but man, I sure would like to still have them on my team. <laughs> you know? I'd be okay with that. <laughs> we do appreciate you guys listening to us on balls of the wall um we would love for you guys to subscribe for us on rumble youtube spotify and anchor just press the drop down the like button there and make a comment that's huge you can give us an emoji or whatever may be the case but hey fill us in with some feedback we'd love to hear from you on that i want to go to our balls and strikes um segment here billy and I mean, you and I both know what happened this past Sunday is is very remarkable for my Mr. Hunter Green. I mean, he, him and Art Warren combine on a no-no, but lose the game. We talked about the Reds last week and their futility. And then five days later, they get a no-no and lose to the lonely Buckos. I mean, I just... I couldn't believe what I was seeing on my notifications. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, I mean, they obviously have to give the L to somebody. Game you walked away from me. You know, Hunter threw 119 pitches. Yeah, yeah. There's pitches. And he's coming off Tommy John, too. You know, so yeah, I know he's young. Best door top in the country. Yeah, yeah. Also, also, along with the kind of no and and uh, I just I'm going to go out on a limb and say this isn't the last time we're going to be talking about him in a no hitter. Yeah, he's got he's got he's got he's got a little velocity on his own fastball. There's no question about that. 
I mean, Billy, you get three walks and a ground out and you lose one nothing on a no-hitter. That's just <laughs> – you couldn't have scripted for a better team. The team that was on pace to lose 126 games last week to now to lose at home on those kind of ways. Uh, but you know what? We did say this last week that the Reds should just be playing their prospects going forward anyway. You, if you are a Reds fan, you have to be really elated knowing that maybe you do have a bona fide ace, you know, on your team now. Um, it's, you know, that Reds have not pitched extremely well here in the last, you know, 15, 20 years where you can say, oh, that guy's been great. That guy's been great. So, you know, for that alone, you've got to be happy about it because, you know, that guy can, he can bring it. He's a horse. You know, he's a horse for no question. But I've a three hardest things in baseball. Number one, like we think he's got a chance to be a real closer, a true closer, not a committee not a guy for a little while. That guy that you trust in the ninth inning, his whole with high percentage that, that can steal bases and and yep yep i did want to go over to our buddy over there in st louis on sunday night mr alberto pujos said he'd come <laughs> off the bench in relief in the ninth inning the other night <laughs> <laughs> that big blowout win uh, gave up a couple bombs. He's got an ERA of 54 right now. <laughs> and it's funny that he's been in Major League Baseball all of these years, and now his probably his last year in baseball is when he finally finds himself on the mound. <laughs> but it was comical. I think the game of baseball kind of needs that from time to time, a little laughter, you know, something that, you know, people don't get bent out of shape about with unwritten rules or whatever. And, it, you know, I love the smile after they made the last out there. <laughs> it was great. And I'm sure that Molina never thought he'd be catching a ball from Alberta. <laughs> while he's on well, the <laughs> well, he, he just put himself on another all time list. They're now two. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that is outstanding. And speaking of Molina, him and um, um, Adam Wainwright, um, they just broke the record of most wins by a catcher and a pitcher. I believe it was 204, I believe it was, or 203. Um, I would have thought that somebody – you know, like maybe Whitey Ford and Yogi Bear, something of that nature. People would have played a long time that it would have been them, you know, something of that yeah. nature. You know, I was really surprised by that. Um, but it's an achievement. And I mean, and I, I'm not, I hate saying this in a way because I don't know how the pitching numbers are going to go forward for the Hall of Fame because of, you know, the way the relievers have taken over the game now. But can you make a case that Wayne Wright's been one of the best pitchers in the last, 10, 15 years of his era? I, he's one of those guys you just in yeah. older and he, he doesn't go all that hard. And, and, 
multiple rings i mean he missed a whole year with the tours achilles too for a pitcher to come back from achilles tear is you know resilient enough as it is and you know there was a lot of talk last year that he they didn't know if he was going to come back as a cardinal you know this year and now look at him he's probably their best pitcher so far early part of the season uh you know i i i'm not going to go through all the numbers or not but if you start to really go through pitchers getting into the Hall of Fame from about two or three years going forward, you're not going to have 250 win guys. You're not going to have 300 win guys getting into the Hall anymore. Now, here's a guy that's got over 200 and has done it the right way. You could probably make a case for it. And if he doesn't get voted in by the writers, I think that you'll get the Veterans Committee down the road 20 years from now that probably would give him a shot, especially when you start seeing how the numbers really kind of play out. But you know, congratulations to them. You know, St. Louis, you and I both talked about it. it's a first-run organization. They've run it extremely well from year to year after year to be that competitive. And, you know, you see teams that, you know, just can't seem to get out of their way. You know, the, the Cardinals seem to always keep themselves right in a hunt year after year after year. And you know how difficult that is. National League Manager of the Year. Yeah. And haven't missed a beat. Yeah. I mean, that organization, right? I'm talking about a GM, president of baseball operations, that knows what's going on with his minor leaguers, that gets involved with the draft. Before the draft, if if I'm advising it, they really like. And Um, I did want to run by this. I didn't know if you saw this note on ESPN the other day. Uh, remember the great movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off? <laughs> you know? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, it seems like Heritage Auction Center actually found a ticket from that game. That from the, the from the taping of that game over the weekend. They auctioned it off for about a thousand dollars. It was September 24th, 1985. And the a thing that caught my eye a little bit it was the Expos and the Cubs played that game to a 17-15 score <laughs> that day that they did the taping of that. Andre Dawson was four for six with three bombs and eight RBIs in that game for the Expos. <laughs> I, I was really what I, I that's what caught my eye when I saw the final score. I said, wow. That's a, that's a football score. <laughs> yeah. Tell you something special about that team. That team all came up the ladder together. So many of them did. Uh, a kid I've been involved with for years, his father, Eddie Acosta, 
played that and we're talking about one day. He he played on an A ball team for 14 years for that A ball team. Wow. Senior was one of those guys. And 14. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the Expos during that time, people don't realize from about the early 70s to about the mid 80s, man, we're just killing it. We're developing talent, getting into the uh, into the MLB. I mean, they had Larry Parrish that came through there. They had Tim Wallet that came through there. They had Ellis Valentine that came through there. Cromati, Warren Cromati that came through there. I mean, Dawson. I mean, Rock Reigns. I mean, they they had some dudes back in the day that could play. Loved the the whole front office. They were always guys I could talk to that would be straight. But the main reason was the way they developed. You know your guy was getting every opportunity. You know, it's they were what what Tampa's become. Yes. Uh, yes. Great analogy. Great analogy. Yeah. Great analogy. It, know yeah. that they had a low budget. So they they knew that hey we gotta we gotta draft we gotta hit these guys and develop them and man they they hit on a whole lot of them believe me they did because even in the early nineties I mean you talk about the Delano Shields era with Delano and Vladimir I mean they you know that franchise man and, and Moises Alou was another one you know it's man they they did an extra job man that strike year. They probably had baseball in 94 when the wheels fell off. And, you know, that's one of those we'll never know. But I think that one of the Expos and the Yankees, I think, had the best records in both leagues, I believe, when that strike happened that year. So can you imagine what that would have been a New York Montreal World Series? <laughs> that just seems wrong to say Montreal World Series. <laughs> but the franchise never recovered after that, unfortunately. That's the, you know, the park. They couldn't get it. They couldn't play it at Olympic Stadium anymore. They couldn't get the funding for that. It's kind of what they need to do with the A's. Um, you know, the A's are now averaging 3,000 fans a game. You know, that's with a sellout crowd on opening day factored into that you know, in the average attendance, um, it's, it's time. I mean, it's time for the A's. I mean, as much as I hate to say that, I mean, obviously your father is very fond of the Bay area. He was, you know, great skip out at Oakland. It it's, it's not working there. Did so many innovative things, uh, but he hired my father because he did his homework. Wherever my father went, attendance went way up, and he wanted to sell the team. You know, it was the same thing that happened in Texas with my dad. 
You know, Short was wanting to sell the team. And so Finley did that. Attendance went way up. The team's credibility went way up. And, and they play, and the team got better when your dad got there too. Let's not forget that. <laughs> it will be because you didn't have the North media. Didn't have Mr. Scheinbrenner. Didn't have the even the New York fans can be can rough. You know, um, you know, and that's the show is believable. That's what the billboard said. I mean, when the, the, the whole team slogan revolved around man. day, Dad still wanted to put those pinstripes on. Uh, he was Yankee through and through. He was a Yankee through and through. There's no question. And your dad, and if you were a starting pitcher for the Oakland A's back then, you're going to pitch nine innings. <laughs> <laughs> There's no question. The, I would have loved to have been like the sixth middle relief guy because he probably pitched maybe once every eight days you know, and still collected a check. Because <laughs> that Matt Keogh and those guys, man, back in the day, they logged some innings, man. Mike Norris, um, um, gosh, the bite of blue. I mean, okay. Yeah. So, you know, I I could get on the back of the bus with the guys and they'd sneak me a couple beers and it was it was a lot of fun. Those guys were really, really good to me. That's and I mean, stuff like that, they weren't trying to score points with dad. They were just, they were just cool to me. You know, Mike Heath and Wayne Gross. And Gross. I mean, ah, I that, that name in a while. Wayne oh, Gross. You know, Ricky, little pitch hitter. Decent pitch hitter back in the day, Wayne Gross. That's an record home. Wow. You know, I mean, I wonder, I wonder what the record is for double steals because they did a ton of those with Murphy, Murphy and Ricky. Ricky. Oh God, yes. Heck, well, I mean, heck, when um, the, when the when the Dodgers played against the A's in the '88 World Series, I mean, Murphy stole second base. You know, and when while Kirk Gibson was up at the plate, you know, I mean, so <laughs> you know, Dwayne Murphy was a pretty good ball player. I think he recently passed up. I think right. I think yeah. he did. Yeah, I think he did. Recently. He was great, though, man. Well, look how good that outfield was. Tony Armas. Tony Armas. And that we could do a whole show on Ricky Henderson. <laughs> we really could. We really could. I tell people all the time, if you're bored at home one day, just go Ricky Henderson YouTube. You'll 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 get entertained by Mr. Henderson. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever seen that little skit. Harold Reynolds does Ricky Henderson perfectly in the batter's box after a hit and the flip of the bat and the pat on the pants. It's spot on. <laughs> it's it's nice. spot on. <laughs> well, I mean, 
obviously the the moniker the man of steel um was so appropriate for him in, in a bunch of ways but my nickname for him as a kid was the one man <laughs> You know, they love each other, and he didn't have a great relationship with his own father, and 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 dad gave him a lot of love, and it it showed. I mean, you look at look at almost all his great years were playing for my father, and. You know, because other managers would get mad. Like, your body to go out there and steal base after base after base. Because people don't take all the account. I mean, when you run and die in the base, just Right. You get hurt half the time, and trying to avoid the tag, it's it's a rough game, man, and that's a rough position. And he did it long. I'm sorry, you better lead off hitter that you would use her off tall. I don't think anybody had a bigger impact on the game all in every aspect than Ricky Henderson all time. I I just don't think so. I, could be debatable. I know we can argue that. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, I wanted to also give props to Otani. Got his 100th career home run over the weekend. Think about that, Billy. This is a guy that just came came back from Tommy John surgery. He's pitching every six days. He's got 100 home runs. I mean, I've always said that he's more valuable as a pitcher, but I guess maybe I'm up underestimating what that stick he's got. You know, that it is. And he's stealing bases. I mean, you know, we talk about a because we are so blessed to get lost. Yeah. I I'm, I first of all, that trout fella hitting right in front of him is pretty good too. Um, you know, but this Run, guy's unbelievable. Rundown guy's pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do? But how long can he do this? How long that's, can he? You know, only because it's just hard for us to even. You know, really take it and get a sea babe root. And unreal what he's done. We need to talk about that one day on the show for sure. We definitely need to do. I did want to say a couple other things I thought that was interesting. I didn't realize that Raphael Devers already has 47 hits. You know, we're talking about 35 games or 36 games into the season, and he's got 47. I mean, that's a hell of a pace. You know, that's about 230 hits of a season. I mean, you know, that 
we haven't seen that since Ichiro. <laughs> you know, and, and it's not like Devers is out there hitting infield hits. I mean, he's not he's not blessed with speed. But I, that really kind of shocked me. Um, then um, I know we had talked a few weeks ago about the Julio Rodriguez, um, the center fielder for Seattle. He's getting it right. You notice here in the last old couple couple weeks, batting about three forty. He's got ten stolen bases. You know, I mean, in, a, in an era that we we in the last twenty years, that's been diminished. You know, the stolen bases has have 10 already in 35 games already as a rookie, man, he's only going to get better at that because he's going to learn how to, you know, the nuances of the game. He's going to know when he needs to go. So, you know, props to the Seattle brass for keeping him in the lineup because, you know, there was a lot of talk about three weeks ago sitting him down like they sent the other guy down. I forgot his name. They sent him down because he's Yeah. 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 There's a center fielder like that in Miami that they're saying, oh, I think Jesus Sanchez, maybe. Yes. yes. Um, but look, this is the big leagues. It's, it's hard. It's an adjustment. They find your weak spots and they – Pound them. Absolutely. And you better learn to make that adjustment. And they started pounding them. Now, I believe he's going to make those adjustments too. I think we're starting to see that. But it's tough, man. and collected it Right, right. Yes, and here's who's already had lots of success at the major league level. He's gonna go this is this is perfect. And if one can handle that man and I want to stick a gun in their mouth because they got sent down. Right. And, and I I say that almost like he's but I'm not because Hey, guys have threatened to do it. Yeah. You know, the great Mickey Mantle almost quit the first time he got sent down. Willie and Mays, too. Willie Mays, too. DeRocher said he was almost ready to send Willie Mays down. Uh, <laughs> and we but it's interesting to see. We're going to see the guy back. They'll have three center fielders, three rookie of the year type, type center fielders, uber prospects playing that outfield. Yeah. That's going to be defensive and offensive, maybe the best outfield in baseball. Could be. Could be. Absolutely. What? Absolutely. Um, I do have um, – I do think that um, Terry Bradshaw, the, the batting coach for the Kansas City Royals, took one, um, <laughs> took one for the team. 
I know the Royals are not very good, but what did Terry Bradshaw do to everybody where he had to fall on the sword for all that? You know, don't you think sometimes it's your general manager, the, the team that you put out on the field? I mean, you can't make chicken out of, you know, chicken ass. You know, it's like, you know, what did Terry Bradshaw do to deserve the 36 games in to get fired? <laughs> well, you know. I mean, it was all that extra time he spent working on the NFL TV shows that uh, he's doing on today. Yeah, those are scapegoats. But I'll say this for Dayton Moore, man. I, he's a class act. He The, the GM there is just to – and this kid can play his butt off and he plays old school you know hits behind runners does all the little things you want to see and he's just that burst of energy scouts absolutely love him that's good. That's good. That's right. Well, hey, guys, I did want to finish up the pod here with a little thumbs down and thumbs up. First, I wanted to do the thumbs down this week. I, I had a hard time kind of shifting through all this stuff. But then Ron John Rondo, he, he decided that um, – he would threaten a woman with two kids with a gun. Um, here's a guy that's collected major checks in the NBA. They were playing a video game at the house. He yanks the council up, throws it up against the wall, chastises everybody. He leaves the apartment or the home, comes back brandishing a gun. Uh, I don't know exactly if you're an athlete anymore, if you should even own a gun because of, if you can't control your temper, it's only going to be a temptation to have it there. But not only that, the thing that got me about it is, why would you do that in front of little kids? You know, I'm thinking you're a professional athlete. What is the little kid going to do to you? I mean, was yeah. he going to beat your kneecaps up you know, with his fist? guys can get in the room athlete like Yeah, a gun. A gun, nonetheless. I, 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 I don't want to act like I know why society is the way it is sometimes, but I just don't understand. If you're an athlete, you would seem like to me you would try to minimize any of this stuff so that nobody can make up a story that you had a gun. If you don't own a gun and don't have one, don't have to worry about that. Because, I mean, yes, people are prying on the athletes these days. There's no question. I mean, they're going after the athletes, trying to get paternity suits, whatever may be the case. You know, but when you go be do something idiotic in front of little kids, thumbs down that big time for a guy that I don't know what happened to him when he came to the Mavericks. He was a revered player in the NBA, but it seems like his reputation has taken a downfall ever since he left here with the Mavericks. And it seems like he's still battling you know, his reputation now, unfortunately. Yeah, unreal. And I did know if you heard the story from a 11-year-old Elijah Blankenberg. 
All right. He has, he's an 11 year old kid. He went down as a spring training game on March 19th. The Baltimore and the Yankees were playing in it. He's got a little autograph collection that he has where he gets the players to sign and all that. So he even sorted out his cards and everything for saying, Hey, I'm not going to get big valuable cards for people to sign. Cause he kind of knew that that would bring the value down on the card. He goes there, he gets all these autographs from the Yankees and the Baltimore Orioles. The kid loses his collection at the ballpark or somebody stole it, whatever may be the case. He's distraught. His mom put something out on social media about how this kid, the kid was so depressed. You know what happened? The athletes everywhere caught this story. And this is what they did. They started sending this box of stuff to him at his house. He got a Peyton Manning autograph magazine cover. He got a signed hockey puck from Bobby Orr. He got an autographed baseball from Nolan Ryan, Ozzie Smith, Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Sam, Sammy Sosa. Top sent them a whole bunch of open, um, unopened boxes of cards. The Orioles sent him a third base. Well, the entire team signed the third base. He also got... Uh -huh. Yeah, he also got, and he also, his favorite player that he got his baseball card signed by him was DJ LeMayu. DJ LeMayu sent him some autographed uniforms, baseball, and all that for him. It just made me feel good that, you know, 11-year-old kid was so distraught that he had lost his moment, you know, that he treasured to do that. And these athletes stepped up huge, Billy. I mean, most athletes don't want to be bothered with this kind of stuff. They've got their own agendas and what they're doing, and they want to make money off of this or that. Man, props to them for doing that, man. So I know that that little kid will never, that will change his life going forward for the rest of his life. No question. And all it was is a simple autograph baseball. Yeah. You know what? You remember those in this day and age where the athlete gets a whole lot of you know he's this he's that he's this props to those guys i mean you know that's and and, and no and and they don't want the notoriety you know they just did this because it was the right thing to do you know it wasn't that they were trying to get out in front of a commercial having some crew there filming everything and all that it was none of that sent it all in a box and the kid opened it up you know to his at his address so props to you guys for the athletes it lets me know that there is some humanity still left in this society <laughs> after the after the dangerous weekend we had of the shootings left and right this past weekend it's nice to know that we have some humans still around. Oh, that's disgusting. It's terrible. Yeah. I, um, I keep telling myself that had that happened here in Texas, somebody would have shot him. Yeah. Somebody back in there, uh, somebody who had some handgun returned fire. Because what a coward. coward. What a what a coward piece of crap, you know. Uh, and both of them were race-related. That's the other thing, you know. I mean, you've got innocent people that had nothing to do with you, and you're killing them because you've got hate. Yeah. I, hey, you know, what? go kill the people you hate then. Yes. That yeah. have created hate. And it all and uh, 
to my son, he she sent me the video where he actually uh, Our mind safe, Lord, but I just wanted to be just turned up just a little bit hotter. <laughs> there is that page that says an eye for an eye, so you know, maybe maybe we could help administer that. Well, thank you guys for listening to us on episode number 34 here of Balls to the Wall. Billy, I enjoyed it. It's my favorite hour of the week. Have a safe trip down to Austin. Have a good one, and we will see you guys next week on episode number 35, Balls to the Wall. Thank you.